0: Hello and welcome to the Jazz Jam Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Gunnels, joined by my co-host, Max Levy. In this episode, we're going to be getting into a newer album, In the Spirit of N2. So without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to my co-host, Max Levy.
1: Welcome back. We are here doing the second part of our podcast where we are reviewing a newer jazz album that either recently hit the market or Relatively recently has hit the marketplace either on radio through album sales, um, and has grasped some attention. Um, and and this is one that definitely has, this one is by, uh, as mentioned earlier, South African pianist by the name of Nduduzo Makatini. It is his second Blue Note album called In the Spirit of in 2 And, um, I think it's good to mention just some, at least some things about kind of where South African jazz has, has been and where it's going and its place in, in music and, and, and in the jazz world. So there, there is kind of a history of, of jazz being present in South Africa, you know, influenced by colonialism and the, the merging of, of some, um, cultures starting in the 1920s there was uh, some jazz groups in queenstown which was at the time known as little jazz town and at that time they were emulating a lot of the new orleans traditional style jazz groups that were coming out on record starting in the early 1920s um from originally new orleans louisiana and were recorded in in places like new york city and chicago and so some of that was reaching South Africa. Um, and eventually their own style developed where they had kind of a, a three or four chord progression that, was, that became standardized, similar to how the blues became standardized in the United States and how, you know, some of the best jazz is influenced by the blues and, and some of the best South African jazz is influenced by this style known as marabi. M-A-R-A-B-I, and um, it kind of developed slowly over time, but generally it's kind of a, a four-core progression, and um, it, it combines African rhythms with jazz harmony a lot of the time. And so a, a supreme example is a tune called Swahuito, spelled S-O-W-E-T-O by Ibrahim uh, Abdullah Ibrahim, who was a piano player from South Africa, who later became kind of famous um, in the world as a as a jazz musician. Uh, him, along with Hugh Massakela, a trumpet player, that became well-known with his version of Grazing in the Grass, which was a 1968 pop hit. Um, both were South African players that, that immigrated to the Western world once apartheid started really being implemented and they started controlling the gatherings that, that you could have, they were limiting the number of people, they were limiting you know, the types of music, they saw jazz as anti-apartheid music, which it was a lot of the time, um, and, and so a lot of that music was suppressed by the government of South Africa for a variety of different reasons. Um, one of which was the racial divide that was enforced during that time in South Africa. So, so there's there is a history of jazz music being present in South Africa, and around that time in the 1950s and 60s, there was there were bebop groups. One in particular, where Hugh Masakela and Abdullah Ibrahim performed with the Jazz Epistles, and they became kind of famous. And unfortunately early 1960s, they started implementing apartheid regulations and a lot of the music went underground or the musicians moved and, and began to play elsewhere since 1994 or so the, the mid to late nineties when apartheid ended, there has been a resurgence of jazz in South Africa from both, you know, Uh, musicians and audience members there there is a scene in in johannesburg and in cape town a lot of the musicians um come from both those areas and and there's a vibrant scene once again in south african jazz
0: yeah i i one thing i want to add to this is i actually have some friends that are south african that i worked with when i worked um in a country club in boone north carolina and one thing that was weird to hear them say was like I tell them that I play jazz and they're like, Oh, I like jazz. And they would name some like South African jazz musicians. And I, they weren't musicians, but they were like, yeah, I like jazz. Here are some of my favorite musicians. And there were multiple people who knew about jazz and like jazz. And they're like, yeah, it's really becoming more popular in South Africa, which is kind of crazy because like, I could say like 20 jazz musicians names here and standing on the corner in Wilmington and no two people think I was speaking in tongues, you know? So it's,
1: unfortunately yeah yeah
0: so it's cool to see that it, it's really being revitalized there and the they're latching onto it so this album is this i mean Nduzu macatini is just a prolific south african pianist and composer that we've got playing right now he's on blue note so i'm super excited to get into this album and uh kind of see what's going on with south african jazz and the state of south african jazz yeah and
1: one of the preeminent performers of of this kind of new resurgence is in Makatini. he is quoted as saying jazz is a genre that relies on surrounding energy fields and i think that's a great quote because it, it kind of just explains a lot of what's going on in his music there's a very spiritual approach there's an emphasis on um sort of the history of South Africa in his music and the, 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 the racial strife of apartheid, the issues of, um, you know, suppressed suppression of the soul is kind of what, what I get with, with the history of, of what went on. And he, a lot of times seems to showcase that there is an excellent YouTube interview, um, where from a couple months ago, where they're interviewing D- Indusio Macatini um, after doing a concert at Dizzy's Club Coca Cola in New York City. So that's a great interview to just check out and see see where he's particularly coming from with his approach um, to this music.
0: Yeah, I I really appreciate that quote when he says relies on surrounding energy fields. I think that sometimes that can get lost, especially when you get into the more academic side of jazz to where you're learning. It almost feels formulaic, and I've met guys who I feel play like that, and I feel like jazz is... What I love about jazz is it's so... It's such a good expression of self and of feelings and experiences that I think that's one thing that Nduduzo does so well is it feels like his playing in this album and his composition is just such an expression of himself, his experiences, his spirituality, his, you know, African roots. And that's, that's one thing that's really going to be a theme throughout the album. It's really beautiful. And I think is uh, a good thing to, to remember and to to keep, you know, keep in jazz is it's, it's so personal and it can be such a good way. And that's the, the greats are so great at, telling their story through the music. And that's, that's one thing that uh, I really like here. So I'm excited to, to get into and and look at with this album.
1: Yeah. And I just wanted to quote a little bit. Um, There is a review of this album in downbeat. Um, I believe it's from the July issue. There were a few people who reviewed it. Three of them gave it three and a half stars. One gave it uh, a full four stars. And so, um, the review says, quote, it's a bevy of experiences, including meditative chants of the Zionist church, lessons learned at the altars of, uh, sorry, Seleku, Ibrahim, and Tyner, political forays in sync with protests erupting in his homeland and the botting of voices both on the bandstand and in the streets an act. He calls the invocation of collectiveness in lesser hands. It's delivery might've been muddled, but Makatini sculpts his presentation with insight and authority. And so I, I think that's a great way to put it is there are a lot of times in this album, I feel like where there could have been moments where things kind of fell apart or somebody missed something, or it didn't come across in the way that they expected. But because of Macatini's experience and musicality, everything seems to come off pretty much as intended. And, and overall, he does a really good job of what he was trying to do.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that this album, it's it's almost like dichotomous to what we listen to with Soul Station which feels so well crafted not that this isn't well crafted this feels much more free and open and a a collective like a conscious experience of Macatini and what he's experienced and not such a so much like you know crafted out and everything's written out it feels like just kind of that like experience and it's definitely good to listen to there's a lot of elements free where things are free and open and kind of raw which is nice and it yeah it feels like it might lack structure it sometimes but it never lacks direction if that makes sense so that's right let's always
1: always moving yeah i feel like it's all it's always on a journey
0: yep yeah it might you might not understand exactly where you are But in the long run, you get where you're going and you understand why you were there. And that's one thing that this album does really well. Let's get into, I just quickly want to mention, we mentioned earlier, but this is, does feature a cast of mostly South African players on it. Saxophonist Linda Sikahane, uh, trumpeter Robin Cock, vibraphonist Dylan Tabisher, bassist Steven D'Souza, percussionist Ganse Makene, and then drummer Dane Paris, as well as some vocalists, which I really like on this album, uh, Oma Gugu Makatini, which I'm assuming is probably related to Indiduzo, but I'm not for sure on that, uh, Anna Widower, and American saxophonist out of Philadelphia, Jaleel Shaw, is featured on the one of the more impactful tracks on the tune. So with no further ado, let's hop right into... The album, and I, I'll go ahead and try to say this first uh, name on the album. Let's see what we got here. Ununkab, Ununkanyamba, Ununkanyamba. How's that sound?
1: That sounds pretty accurate unun to me. Ununkanyamba.
0: So that's what I. I wish that we are Zulu is. I know I have friends that are Zulu, but that's that's the best I can do on that.
1: Yeah, that it's important to mention that the names on this album are are Zulu you know they come from the zulu language and and dialect and everything so we're doing our best yeah there's yeah it's not something
0: that we're super familiar with we'll do our best i know some things about how the the language is pronounced but not not everything so yeah unun unun kanyamba is the first track on on the album um and so this one it starts out you're just very African rhythm um, in the rhythm section. It sets the scene, and it kind of sets the scene throughout the whole track and remains, there's this rhythmic, with the vibraphone, the percussionist, um, the drummer, and the piano throughout the entire track. Uh, the horns come in, and there's a good deal of dissonance we get right off the bat in the melody. The melody is there and its presence, written, but there's dissonance that comes in. And then when we get into the saxophone solo, it's kind of free and open, and you get uh, a good of reference to the melody, but I feel like that's kind of one of our only tonal centers in the saxophone solo. There's, there's not a whole lot of reference to a tonal center other than the melody, which is, um, at the beginning of the tune. And then you get this driving percussion, this rhythm that I mentioned in the beginning, it's maintained through the, the whole track. Um, the piano solo, very monk feel to it. Lots of dissonance, uh, not a huge focus on a tonal center and yeah, that that's kind of sets the scene for what you're going to get a lot on this album. So what, you know, what do you think about how, how this album starts out, Max?
1: I think it starts out really well with, with what it intends to accomplish. I do like some particular aspects of this track. Um, Number one being that it's important to note with each one, I think, whether they're, they're in a kind of a, a two feel or a four feel or a three feel, you know, thinking two, four, three, four, or four, four here, they're, they're pretty much doing a two, four, um, kind of time signature. And I just like the layering of this track in particular, the way they're playing with time a little bit, they're keeping that two feel going, but the horns in particular are, um, a little laid back on the melody. And so it's not quite in time, but it's also always moving. And yeah. the way it, you know,
0: that's one thing that I notice is you get a lot of that. Like there's, you get the African, and this is one thing that this track does is you get that African driving rhythm in the rhythm section below to give you that time, that driving, like sense of like driving, driving, driving. But then you get the horns and some of the solos over top with that just are seeming to disregard that sense of time and just free and open and here and there and expand and contrast the the sense of time which is which is interesting because it's like it's kind of like multiple facets at once of this driving thing and then like this like loose melody and it's 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 a cool feeling yeah i definitely get what what you're what you're saying there
1: and the last thing i would mention is there is an obvious um influence of Thelonious Monk in Macatini's playing that comes out on this track in particular during some of his solo and it's it's kind of illustrated throughout the album later on as well that there's a clear influence of McCoy Tyner and Thelonious Monk in his playing
0: yeah it, i think there are a few yeah that's definitely on the piano side those guys you'll see a lot of influence of those guys come in and it's kind of cool and there are some other guys who will come in influence influentially wise later but it's kind of the theme of this album to see how he mixes that influence with the african jazz feel and the african rhythms and that's that's just like right in your face in the beginning of the album that's what you know you're getting right off the bat is this driving acro- african rhythm and this dissonant melody and the the free jazz feel and the solo is very monk-esque and the delivery of it, the piano solo that is.
1: Yeah, and on that, the way the track ends, I appreciate the way they fade out. They don't do it all at once. It's each instrument cuts out one at a time. And it slowly, you know, gets softer and, and it's very musically um satisfactory the way they faded out on this track.
0: I do like that as well. One thing that I thought was interesting and kind of a monk-esque thing to do as well is the second time when or when they go back to the melody after all of the solos, there's this piano lick that Macatini's playing that he's overshadowing this dissonant melody with. And he keeps playing it and playing it over and over. And it's just, it's above the melody and it's, it's interesting, but it's a very monk-esque thing to do, to have this melody that you've already introduced, and you come back to the melody, but there's this thing that's contrasting the melody, this piano lick that's just over-chanting over and over again. And I thought that was very interesting. It felt very monk-esque to do something like that, like this dissonant melody and then this counter-argument of this piano lick that's just repeating over and over. So that that was interesting. It kind of like struck me at first, like, oh, man, like but then I was like, "Oh, I kind of see what he's what he's going for here." And then, you know, you get the fade out with the instruments backing out one by one until I think you just got the congas at the end and they they finish you out on the that same the same driving rhythm that started the song out. So
1: Yep. How about the next one?
0: Cool. So next is a tune entitled Mama, which takes us in a just completely different direction than where we started. We started with this I mean it's definitely the African influence is still there but this tune is very very much more sultry um you get a more traditional style shuffle in the percussion oh wait hold on sorry um oh no no sorry this is um this is more of a ballad and so this is Basically, it feels like a ballad. It's an ode to a mother that has passed. I, I looked at the lyrics in English, um, and it talks about thanking uh, their mother and um, the amazement and the blesses and um, how the mom is left and the soul rest in peace and then uh, said, oh, we'll meet again. Like I'll, I'll meet you soon, and I guess in heaven, which kind of speaks to the spiritual. We started to get that spiritual feel in the in the album here. So yeah, you get a old feature of the vibraphone in here. A lot of the vibraphone on this, this album is really well done and we don't see a whole lot of vibraphone getting played on modern jazz stuff. So I really, really enjoyed this tune. I thought it was, it's not super jazz in like the sense of like jazz, like the first song was pretty free jazz African mix. This more feels like just a, a ballad and it's mostly sung, not really a solo, but it's super powerful, and I think the the melody is it's enchanting and beautiful, and I think it's a it's a really nice track. It's I think it's the most listened to track on Spotify, and I can see why because it's it's more approachable. It's not super free jazz. It's something that very African, enchanting power ballad. It feels like.
1: Yeah, I do um, appreciate the subject matter. You know, as as someone who personally lost their mom at a young age, like I did, I identify a little bit, you know, with, with the lyrics and, and the overall, um, feeling that this song emulates across to the, to the listener, I I think it's very well done. I think it is powerful. Um, it does have a nice build towards the, the middle to end. It kind of builds up in the fifth, into the 6th minute um and I, it, there seems to be a common theme with how they're ending a lot of the songs on the album they tend to do fade outs on almost every one and in this one the fade out seems so close to being almost done where the music would just naturally end on a final chord or ending lick or something that If they had just lasted another five to six seconds, it would have just ended naturally, it seems to me. Now, I don't know. I wasn't in the studio. It's just me listening to it. But I don't know why the fade-out was used in this one. It seems to cut short the overall um, emotive approach that it's trying to go for.
0: I have a theory on this, and I think they're doing this on purpose to you. And I'll tell you why. I think one thing that this album harps on a lot, and you can tell me if you agree or not, is this spirituality. And a lot of this album feels like it's a journey through life. And I think that what they're going for here is instead of ending a song with what you want, like that final chord, I think it's more of like a it feels like you're almost falling asleep and like the song is just dwindling into the background. You're slowly falling asleep and the day is, you know, like you've gone through this experience and now you're, you're a piece and you've come to, you know, I feel like that might be what they're going for is this, instead of just ending everything with like such a bow on it, they want you to just like ease out of the you know like ease out of what's been going on and almost feel like you're you're falling asleep to uh, the experience of the day of this track. Do you see what I'm 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 saying there?
1: I do see what you're saying and I think that is a great way to to wrap your head around it. I'm not denying that that's likely the case. It, it seems, seems like it be-
0: has to be intentional cuz they do it a lot on this album. So I, it's hard to infer exactly, but I think it, it it has to be intentional with how much it's done.
1: Yeah, I I guess you're right. Um, there's a purpose to it, just like there's a purpose to everything else in that track. So, why expect anything else? Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. But
0: it's de- it definitely is hard when we come from like this background of like wanting it to be like, ba, da, bah, ba, da, bah, you know, like <laughs> we want that and we're used to that. So when it's just like it feels like they're still playing and it's just like fading and fading and fading until there's nothing. We want that finality, but this album is not going to, it's not going to give it to us and it, it keeps doing that. So yeah, all in all a really beautiful track, super powerful, super emotive. Um, I, I, I really like this track. It's, it's one that, that definitely spoke to me. I feel like it invokes a lot of emotions and it was, it's a really nice track and very different from the, the beginning track. So Let's get into the third track on the album which is Amathongo. Um this one is the one the more traditional style shuffle in the percussion. The bassline. it's very it stays the same throughout the whole song. They don't really it's this kind of similar bass line that pushes through. And then this solo, lots of Monk influence here again on on the solo and lots of free jazz comping elements throughout the song. This feels like a more so getting into that monk and free jazz kind of feel, um, more so than the first track even. This feels more so like a, a more so traditional free jazz um, song than than we have before.
1: That's right. It's, it's definitely a four feel, four-four time. There's a repeating two-bar kind of chord structure with that ostinato in the bass, like you mentioned. The drum groove at first seems really simple. But it lies in such a pocket that it, it it's you know it fits with everything that's going on it's just keeping that groove going I think that groove from the drums is killer the percussion adds a nice touch um, you know there's some meaning with the song Amathongo is a Zulu word I think referring to the spirits of the dead that live among us. Um, I, you know, I did a tried to do a little research with the meaning of these words, and so that's kind of what I came up with. You know, it's a, a a reference to those who who we've lost, but knowing that they're still with us, and so there's a kind of ominous feeling overall with how the song comes across. You know, it's it's it, it kind of reminds me of something like Purgatory or. <laughs> you yeah know, kind yeah. of kind of the journey from life to death or or from death back into life you know if you're into reincarnation and, and those sorts of things um i will say here the trumpet solo is a little more dynamic than it was giving us in earlier tracks the piano solo is is a little dissonant at times you know continuing that monk influence and and more so here i And back to the fade out. This one annoys me the most because they fade out right at the beginning of these tenor saxophone. I think it's on tenor of the saxophone solo. I think it's pretty much all
0: tenor on the album.
1: Well, there's a mix of. I think there's some alto
0: as well. Yeah. There's some.
1: Yeah. Here, there's on the album, there's some soprano, some alto, and some tenor. And here the fade out begins as the sax solo is beginning and i really am dumbfounded as to why that is a thing i don't understand I, I get we need to keep track of time and not go on for so long but if you're gonna have a sax solo have a sax solo they, they could have entered the track uh 20 seconds earlier i don't understand i'm gonna harp on that continuously that because you know if they had continue this would be my favorite on the album. If they had continued through the sax solo, this would have been my favorite, but it's not because of that.
0: I think this is, this is kind of, it's going to be a theme and I think it's going to all make, this is one thing that this album did is I was confused by things a lot like this, like this fade out, like why, like the track's still going, why are we fading out? But I feel like as I kept going on, things started to make more sense. This one is hard to in the moment realize like why, what's going on? This song isn't over. Why are they fading out? So I definitely I think you're more annoyed as a saxophone player than I am because you're like, "Wait we're this is the good part like the saxophone's like, "Come on, why are you taking this away from me like
1: that's right so i, 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 I will not get over it with that particular song and the way they ended it. The other one the other fade outs I can kind of see where you're coming from, but with that one, I will forever um have an issue with
0: i It'd be interesting to hear Mogatini. Talk about why they chose to fade this one out, because I think this was the one, was the one that was kind of the weirdest, the most abrupt, and seemed to be in the middle of something that was starting to head back in a direction, and then they just kind of cut it off. So it was it it is interesting, but it does lead into one of the most unique tracks on the album, which is uh, Neonini Lee, and this one starts out with singing. Over this freeform rhythm section, the melody, lots of dissonance. Uh, It seems like there's no real groove or sense of time in this one. The time is really ebbing and flowing on this one. Um, The way I like to the way that this kind of spoke to me was the time ebbs and flows like a wave in the percussion, and the the percussion crashes on shore with the wave at times. It's ebbing and flowing and kind of crashing at times. This song is definitely the most out there track on the album. Um very loose, very free. It's an interesting track. What do you what do you think about it, Max? What what did this song say to you?
1: Well, it says a lot. It it it, it can say a lot. I like how how you're imagining, you know, um uh and, it, you know, you're you're conjuring up an image that the music expresses. I think, you know, that's the best we can do with this. It, it, it is kind of free jazz. But one thing to say is I am very impressed. Most of the melody lines that, you know, the horns that um, are on the track play along with the piano, even though the time is kind of inconsistent and free the melodies are usually always played very well together. And so they're feeling that wave that you're expressing. They're feeling that together. And they're moving through those waves musically so well that, you know, it, it actually does impress me, even if, you know, um, this particular song does you know, isn't something I would normally want to listen to. But I am impressed by some things that go
0: on. This is the kind of track, and I definitely I get what you're saying there. It's so, it's very free, but it's so artistic in the way that they're they're. It feels like they're moving together in a a free a space that is like free and lacks clarity and time. But they're moving together through this this darkness almost. And this is the kind of track that if you just clicked on this album and clicked on this track and listened to it, you'd be like what the hell is going on? Like, what am I listening? It makes no (laughs) sense if you were to listen to it out of order, but I do think it does make sense in the context of the album and it, you know, it definitely does. Yeah, like I said, with the wave and the flowing and then I think it, there's definitely a purpose for the song, but in, stand alone by itself, if you were just to be like, hey, listen to the song to a friend, they'd be like, what the hell are you playing for me? You know, but that's,
1: yeah, they, yeah, they would be lost but, you know, when you think about it, when you hear it, when you listen to it, you analyze it, everything pretty much is intentional. It's purposeful, as you said. The intera- There's a lot of interaction, too, between um, the keys and the bass with the drums. And the way the rhythm section, you know, complements each other, it is, it is really, you know, some, something to be impressed by. The sax solo is kind of cool, a little different. And the way they just move in and out of each other musically, you know, the different instruments. um, It is
0: impressive. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think when I listened to this the first time, I I felt lost. I felt like I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I think that now that I think about it, I think he probably wants you to feel like that. I think he probably wants you to wonder what's going on. So, yeah, while I was feeling that it's probably he's probably got me exactly where he wants me because I was intrigued because I've heard enough to to hear what's going on in this album and I'm interested, but then he throws this curveball at me and I'm like what is going on? Where are we going? You know, and I'm I'm feeling confused, I'm not sure it's out there where like what's going what's going to happen next? Like are we just going to like f- fully dive into this free jazz like chaos but so i think it it it's definitely intentional and i'm starting to see that now it's taken a whole day for me to kind of realize like while i was lost yesterday i feel like it maybe i was lost he wanted me to be lost because the next tune on the album is a tune entitled m lewany and it is in my opinion just a masterpiece it stands above every other track on this album this is the kind of track you could like have someone listen to and just be like listen to this track and it's just incredible it it does it fuses all these elements so well in in this track it feels very very mccoy tyner like very impressions mccoy tyner kind of feel to it the modalism it's there throughout um the piano solo is just absolutely brilliant it has direction it has it's free it has elements and the modalism and the free jazz and the african jazz and then Jaleel Shaw, who's playing on this one, the American saxophone player we talked about, really, really special. solo on this one, the the Coltrane and the Coltrane influence is just extremely evident, and the track drives beautifully. This is this is a masterpiece. I I really was I was after feeling lost, I felt like I I was found. Like when this track, when I got into this track,
1: I yeah, th- this is this yeah. This track makes the previous one be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's this like, one... <laughs> it's like, it's brings you, yeah, it's like, I, I was so lost and now I was so not lost. It's like, I forgot that I was ever lost, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and this song in particular screams John Coltrane Quartet of 1965, you know, or, you know, 63 to 65. Yep. We're we're getting McCoy Tyner, we're getting Train, we're getting some Elvin Jones with the drums, um, great bass playing. You know, it, it it's probably one that the most straight-ahead lovers would enjoy, and there's just a lot of drive and energy throughout the song. Um, I and I do like the melody too. It's I I I think it's it. it I like the longer notes of the melody along with some rhythmic syncopated movement that happens um, later in the melody. And it's a killer solo. Jalil Shaw is an amazing player, you know, great future ahead of him, but he's already doing the thing. He's already in it. You know, I'm more of a tenor player, but, you know, he's awesome on the alto sax and it is, you know, I, I also get a little sense of Kenny Garrett, a little mm. bit. Um, but it's definitely, you know, Coltrane Quartet that, that we're feeling on this one. And yet again, there is another fade out on ending the track.
0: This one's not and, as bad, though. No,
1: it's not. No, it's not.
0: But I, yeah, it does fade out again, which is at this point, you're like, OK, it's definitely on purpose. You're like, they're doing, you know, this is this is a theme yeah, the it feels like if you took the Coltrane quintet and just put them in the middle of Africa in like the middle of apartheid and like this you know this like African conflict through the lens of of this modal free jazz this freer jazz modalism post-bop era that's what it feels like to me and it's just it's a beautiful expression of the african experience through that lens and this uh, one uh, the note i wrote i said masterpiece and may have saved the album just when i was starting to wonder what the hell was going on (laughs) it
1: and that's why it's placed where it is yeah you know it, it it is really curated in such a great way
0: yeah so this yeah if this is the standalone the track from the album that definitely stands above the rest in my opinion beautiful so driving so so great so much energy um yeah a great tune let's move on to re amathombo max what do you what do you have here
1: well i believe the the word amathombo uh refers to bones and so i think you know a lot of the lyrics are referring to to human bones and and all of that, the Zulu word. And I believe this is a reimagined version of an of another song. That's why it's called Re-Amathombo, because uh, Mocatini recorded Amathombo on an earlier album, I think in 2017, with that same song title. Hmm. So this is kind of a, a redo version that's, uh, I think, quite
0: different. Yeah, a reprise um, almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Overall, it's a slow, you know, four, four feel. I appreciate the English lyrics on this one. Um, And there's a a four bar horn motive or motif that is played along with background vocals that I really like. The trumpet solo is kind of somber. And on this one, we feature the soprano sax, which has a nice timbre to it. And the way the trumpet and the soprano sax blend on some of their lines, it's just done really well. You know, it's, it, it's in tune, it's dynamic, and, and, and just in particular, the, the trumpet and soprano sax, their blend and the way they play together really comes out to me on this on this song.
0: Yeah, that's definitely kind of a theme through the album. Is like it's it. There's a, a very free and open feeling, but at the same time, the musicians are all so clearly on the same page, and they're blending so well, and the melodies are put together well and played well. It's not like they're it's sloppy. It's not it's free, but it's not sloppy. It, these guys and yeah, that's right. They know they it's they know what they're doing. They know what's going on and they're able to navigate that, that feeling of that loose feeling through such good technical mastering and the melodies and the way that they blend and play everything. It's, it's definitely very well done for the style and what they're going for. Yeah. This one has a very bitter bittersweet feeling to this one. It's kind of the emotion that I get, um, after that very, very energetic and driving track, um, this one kind of feels like a bittersweet um, feeling after that. Is what I was getting on this one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. What's the next one?
0: Uh, the next one is Abantwana Belanga is the next song, and so this one um, starts with spoken word in Zulu over bass playing, which I think is uh is cool. It's very. It feels very um in place in the album. Uh. So and then we get. Uh, an upbeat and very modal melody this time. And I the note that I wrote on this one is Tyner and Coltrane meet Zulu in 2022. <laughs>
1: I think you're right.
0: So kind of a rehashing of um, the Emma Weenie kind of feel, um, but slightly different, very upbeat feeling on this one.
1: Yeah, and on this one, I think the bass in particular comes out... Um, from the background a little more Mm -hmm. with those underneath those opening vocals. They're really um, expressive with what they're playing. Sometimes they're playing more than one note at a time. They're kind of doing chords. Um, It's very rhythmic. And and just what the bass does seems impressive to me. Um, And I, I like the little space in between that opening. And then they come in hot with, you know, kind of the melody, the 16th note line. Trumpet comes in. I love the way the the instruments layer on top of each other. Um, I did have to really focus in and pay attention to where the beat was. Sometimes it was hard for me to keep track of B1 or B4. But that's on me, not on them. They did what they intended to do and they were great at it. But I I, just had. I think that's easy to
0: happen when you get this very modal upbeat song that's like the chords aren't necessarily moving like resolving when it's modal like that you're kind of staying around that's a point of modalism right you're staying around you're centering around the the tone center right in different modes of that so I think that's can be a a reason it's hard to kind of feel where one is because it's not like it's not like we're going three six two five one because that's like that's easy when you've got that resolution but when you're in this kind of free and modal space it's it doesn't always have to go back to one on the one on the on the first beat, you know, like you can be in a different place on one and that's fine because of the, you know, the style of the, the tune. So I definitely I get that and stuff. It's hard. It is hard, though, to to hear it sometimes. But
1: yeah, and this is another one that reminds me of, you know, the John Coltrane Quartet, 63 to 65, you know, yeah. it's straight from there.
0: Yep, very similar feeling. Yeah. Which is good, but, but with the same African influence. I mean, the whole album is going to have this influence. It's not going away. They're not, you know, so it's awesome. That's it, right. Yeah, page pays, pays homage to those guys while, you know, displaying their, their African roots and African rhythms. So, yeah, and uh, Max, I think uh, this one fades out again. How do you feel about that?
1: I had, what, 14 question marks after Why the Fade? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is I a, don't know. This Another really fade. starting to bother Max at this point.
1: Yeah, this one didn't bother me as much as um Emma, Emma Thongo, but um yeah, it's still there. I, and I I don't know. I have questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, so let's get into the eighth track on the album. It's called Amiyama is the name of this one. Um it has a piano and Congo's call and response-esque intro to it. Settles into what feels like an African tribal rhythm. And then you get some pretty cool tribal chant style of singing. Um, and then that, I guess that kind of feels like it's the melody of the tune. And then you settle into some saxophone and piano solos. And it feels like this is the, ta- the track that like, really ties everything together with how how well they blend the african roots the tribal singing the elements of jazz it has kind of elements all the elements of jazz that we've already heard whether it be like bop modal and free jazz you kind of get all of it in into one tune crafted into one tune the way that that this one's presented the african rhythms the chants the jazz the free jazz the modalism I think this is just uh this at this point this is when this album is like they've done so they've kind of thrown so many things at you whether it's these enchanting like melodies that are sung these this free jazz feel the modalism the the very african driving rhythms and i feel this one is like they just like are just like boom all of it's brought together this is the meaning of this album this is the song that puts it all together for you so that's i think this is a a super critical song on the album
1: i would agree that this brings a lot of the elements in different tracks all at once together yep. and because of that it's a, the arrangement is a little more predictable this one has kind of like a really extended opening intro from the percussion which i really dug i mean i was waiting for a percuss- percussive intro where we don't have vocals or we don't have horns just let the percussion bring it in do something creative and then let the groove sit in, and and that happens on this one, right about the one minute mark is when the groove comes in. We got a four feel. Um, I love the rhythmic groove on it. There's a piano ostinato that keeps you know repeating itself. It's a repeated pattern. Gets reinforced as the song goes on. There's a little dissonance um, from the playing here, and the one thing that struck out to me on this track was how smooth and perfectly they go in between a 4-4 four, four feel into a 2-feel. And the grooves are so similar that it kind of just hits you out of nowhere and you, and you think, oh, wait, we're now in 2 yep. when we were just in 4. And the way they move through that and then later on they go back to the 4-feel from the 2-feel, it's just so effortless. And I just love the way they do that on this on this track. It's so distinctive, so creative. Um, I just I just really like that.
0: Yeah, I think they just did, yeah, that's it's so this track feels like it's just so well put together and that's like part of yeah, they were able to fit it's kind of crazy how they're able to fit all of these elements that they've hinted at and that they've referenced in the previous tracks and they've spent full tracks kind of referencing them to be able to put it all together in one track and make it feel conducive and feel and flow so creatively and so well, I thought was just brilliant. This track is brilliant in the way it's able to do that and the way it's able to encapsulate the entire album into one track and into that. You can tell we're starting to get to a place where everything they've had, you've had so many feelings and so many experiences throughout spirituality. And it feels like it's starting to make sense. That's, I think, one thing that when I got to this track, it, everything that it, I had felt before and I experienced before started to make sense on this track. It's like, oh, wow, these all are connected in this way. And it makes sense to me now.
1: Absolutely. Um, the only thing I would add is I'm being kind of <laughs> musically specific but around the 4 minute 30 mark there's a really cool rhythmic piano pedal that lays on top of everything else and to me that just drives the intensity even more so and it really creates more movement to a song that i thought already had enough movement <laughs> yeah you know it it just works so well everything coming together
0: yeah one thing i noticed is your your notes on this you get like you get kind of deep into some of the musical elements and like I think for it's easy for you to nerd out because the song is so well, but there's so much that you can look into and you can say, Oh, like this is something so cool that they did that made it do this, that I didn't even need knew I needed, but then they did it, you know, and you've got so much about the musicality of this track. that I think it speaks to what we were already saying about it.
1: Yep. And I, and I do like how they're doing, um, soprano sax on this one yeah. it really really works well
0: yeah so i think um let's move along another fade out yes we get it max max notes and all caps yet another silly fade out but I yeah know- we'll
1: have to keep moving it i don't know it'll just be a constant annoyance of mine but yeah. whatever
0: so all right the ninth track on the album is called sensei nina and This one is like after that, it's starting, it's like much more serene and much less dissonance. There's almost no dissonance on this. It feels like, um, and here it almost feels like the sun is setting on this journey and on this musical voyage. It feels like at this point, like things are starting, like all of the dissonance and everything and feels like harmonious and that we're starting to to see the end of the day that is this, this musical journey. So I think it's, it's, it's starting to hint that like we're, we're settling down and we're coming to peace.
1: I like that. And it the word sensei Nina, I believe is a, it's a Zulu reference to a protest or funeral song. Um, So what you just described would fit really well. I mean, I, I think they, hit the nail on the head with with what they were wanting to come across. Um, some other notes I have was just on the particular sax solo. You know, there's a lot of kind of big leaps, sheets of sound approach. Um, there's some kind of Michael Brecker-isms, I would say. Honky low end. Um, and it just seems like it's a lot of low ends of of every single voice you know at one time the piano plays really low in their left hand feels like it's bringing
0: you down and it's doing that musically through going low it's like starting to bring you down from that high that's been the rest of the album
1: i think you're right that's the way to put it is everything is just coming down to a close it's at peace the vocals are lower on this one um there's sort of a vocal fry in the in the male vocal, so we're just really getting down and low, and 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 you know coming at peace on this track.
0: I think that's interesting. To where you say, like it's all this theme. Like we we felt it in different ways, and I said the sun setting, and I didn't. I had not looked up the meaning of the word, but like and you say like things are coming down. Like musically, they're coming down into a lower. They're coming from up to down. They're setting, but also the funeral meaning which you're setting someone down and you're putting them to rest, but you're lowering them down. And so I think it's so interesting that there's an obvious like evocation of what you're trying to feel here. He's trying to, to make you feel that. And we felt it. And I, I explained it as maybe a sun setting, but a, a sun setting on a life and a funeral and the way that they are able to do that. And you described it musically, like everything's getting low. It's coming down as if the sun's coming down or as, as if you're lowering someone down. So beautiful yeah. i mean it's it's obviously yeah. it did what it was intended to do and the way it made us feel so i think this is uh you can step you can tell that the sun is starting to set on on this album and leading into the final track on the album the 10th track which is in two which feels like it's a continuation of of sensei nina uh it feels like the vibe is very similar And this one, it feels like, um, instead of coming down to that point, it feels like we're, we've arrived and now there's peace and clarity, which has taken a journey through the dissonant. This is why I wrote, um, it feels like the sun is finally set and there's a sense of peace and clarity, which has taken a journey through the dissonant African free jazz landscape to arise at. Um, you get major and minor colors here, uh, a slight reprise to the piano chaos at the end. Um, and then a very peaceful outro so yeah it feels like this is like we've this it feels like everything is we're you know a sense of peace a sense of of clarity and through the experience that we've that we've been through on the album and i think it's just it's beautiful it's a great way to end the album um yeah what what did you think about this this final track max
1: it is definitely a way to end the album um it's a continuation of the last song. Um, it's pretty much Sensei Nina 2.0. And it it is a nice bow or a button that we've, or I have been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and a lot of it, you know, kind of halfway through, you know, it, it's just solo piano. I get some... Um, the way he's moving on the on the keys it reminded me a little bit of chopin and mm-hmm. some of the um kind of uh shorter songs that that chopin wrote and and just the harmonies it just it, it really gave that um gave me a sense of, of chopin for some reason and that um,
0: definitely makes sense after this is kind of what i was saying is it feels peaceful and like with clarity like that feeling of Chopin, like his beautiful harmonies and melodies, that's something that we have, we have not had that very much in the album. It's been very dissonant, very free and, you know, and now we're finally feels like we're resolving to something.
1: That is one way to interpret it. And that's the way it's intended. I think I personally don't get much from it. I I think there's a better way to end it. I, I don't understand why? I mean, I I, I can't understand why it ended with, with with a solo piano majority piece, but I, to me, it's more like a like a semicolon than a period. Mm. Uh, it left me wanting more. I and you know, I think the listeners may agree. This is the least listened to track on the album. That of course could be because you know it is shorter
0: and it's a last um, track on the album too so if you're listening in order this would be the one that you don't you know what i'm saying but i definitely i get what you're saying there i think that also i wonder how intentional it is it left you wanting more maybe that's what you know like it It, feels like maybe this journey's done but you want to embark on a new journey you know like maybe that's what he's going for
1: that's where it left me i wanted more i wanted something if we were going to finish, you know, have, have something with the whole band or, you know, I feel like I just felt like more could be done. And maybe that's the point is that you don't have to do more. Um, You can take it where you want it to go, but I just had a big question mark at the end of, of this last track. And I, I, that might be on purpose. That might be an issue with me. He might be able to, to express really in particular what he was going for, but I wanted more.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting to see our different perspectives because after that, it, we, I think we had very different um, like emotions. I listened to this uh, again last night to a full time through, and I think... When I got to this point, like I felt like I had been on this journey and I felt like I was home and I was at peace and I was ready for, ready, you know, I is kind of reflective, like, oh, like where we've been. And so it's it's crazy. I guess it, it, it spoke to us in different ways, which is okay, and that's jazz and like not, you know, we're going to um, interpret things differently and experience things differently. I respect his choice to do it this way. I can see where you might want, a different kind of resolution. And I definitely think it could have gone another way and it would have been, you know, he could have made a different choice and that would have been fine too. So yeah, I just think um, it's interesting to see how we can interpret things, things differently on, on this one, you know,
1: you know, why have two separate tracks? It's clear to me that this is a continuation of track number nine, since Nina, why are they two different songs? Uh, I mean, I guess if, you're talking about a journey, you know, into is kind of the home of everything else. That's where everything is. That's the um, final destination. When to me, the way they ended it, it's not a destination. It's more like a hostel instead of a home.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I see what you're saying there. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Um, but i definitely see see what you're what you're saying with that one. So, let's let's go ahead and get into our top 3 tracks and our not so hot track. I think we might differ a little bit on this one actually. Um so my oh, i didn't put your top 3 in here, but i think you remember. All right. My top 3 is going to be i think i made it f- extremely obvious that my top 3 was uh first M. Lowany, and it's not even close in my opinion. The track is just the masterpiece of the album. I've said enough about it. I think it's the one track you can play to someone, and it makes complete sense. Um, the second track I really liked its placement. I liked its the I uh, mostly the emotion and the feeling of the track was Mama. Um, it's just so beautiful, so enchanting. And then third, and this one may maybe should be second, but it, it's. This is uh, omi Ominyana, Yom, Ominyama, uh, which is the track that we spoke about that really tied everything together. Um, this track means a lot to the album, and it definitely had to make my top three. Uh, and so for my not-so-hot album or track on the album, I think it's kind of obvious which one I'm going to go with. It's uh, Nayanini Lee. This is when I said I had no clue what the hell was going on. I guess it's, it's important to the album, but nonetheless, I... If you just play the song to me, I'm not gonna I it's not something that I'm gonna enjoy. It's not one that I could take out of the album and be like, oh, I like listening to this. So for that reason, it's gonna make my not so hot uh pick for this album. Sure. Um
1: well, yeah, we differ a little bit. Your number three is my number one. So my top three number one being Omniyama or Omniyama. Um which was the one where they kind of go back and forth between the four and the two feel. I just think that's so impressive and it just flows so well. That's I was, I just like, I really like the groove on that and the way they did that. So that's my number one. My number two is your number one in the That is one of the top hits of this album. And I think it was first released as a single.
0: Mm -hmm. So it makes sense as a single as well.
1: That's right. That's right. That one stands alone. That's as great.
0: Can't and my put me on thir- and Lee as a single. That would make no damn sense. Like here, here's a no. single. People be like, what the hell is this album?
1: <laughs> that would not go well. Um, my number three is Amathongo, which was um the one that had a great groove. I I love the ominous um, feeling overall that it gives. It just ended on the sax solo, and ah, that just irked me. So. Everything else about it, you know, it may have been number one, but because of that, it's number three. The not so hot is the last track of the album. Into, I which, think we saw that you know, coming. As as I mentioned, uh, I was wanting more. It wasn't a home. It wasn't a destination. I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like <laughs> said, This is not my home. <laughs> oh, man.
1: and. Yeah, and the reason why um your not so hot was not mine was because I was I was thoroughly entranced by how well they were just able to do certain things so well together. So
0: I can definitely uh, that's understand why that. I,
1: yeah, my overall rating is um seven out of ten. Cool. Did you have an overall rating?
0: Yeah, you I think you said seven point five out of ten.
1: Oh, you're right. 7.5 yeah. out of 10. Cool.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to give my kind of overall thoughts, and then I'll talk about my uh, my rating. So, I think this album is definitely a journey. It's meant to be that way. It's not meant to be listened to on shuffle. It's meant to be listened to from the top to the bottom. And I think it's the kind of album you need to sit down and you have to listen to um, intently without interruption. It's not... I mean, you could put it on there in the background, but I think... He want it's it's the journey that he wants you to to experience and i think it's worth doing that it's worth sitting down listening to maybe like when you're about to go to sleep instead of w- watching netflix just put on this album and experience it and i, I think it doesn't disappoint in that way um i really emily emily stuck out to me a lot um it's a it's a great track um some of the dissonance and lack of tonality doesn't speak to me necessarily but I do really understand and enjoy how Macatini melds this together with different elements of jazz and African music. And it does feel like it's a spiritual journey, African journey through his lens. And I appreciate those elements, although it's not my favorite, like not what I'm going to choose to listen to daily. I I get it. And I appreciate those things in this album and what it does for the album. So my overall score, I'm going to give it an 8.1 out of 10. Did you want to talk about your your overall thoughts and then your, your rating again?
1: Yeah, I think generally speaking, it is a good album. Um, Nduduzo Makatini is a great musician, very spiritual, very intentional, has a great approach. He's still kind of young. He's in his 30s, 39, I think. And so there's a lot more to come from this guy and from South African jazz that I'm looking forward to. Um, I think the album overall is a spiritual homage to kind of his homeland. He combines elements of, um, McCoy Tyner, Thelonious Monk, John Coltrane, you know, there is a distinct reference to some of the jazz greats in the history of this music. And I think overall it exemplifies the way, um, one can think about soloing. You know, it's not always what you play, but it's how you play and the way you express yourself musically, the way something is, you know, played intentionally, not necessarily. Oh, you played a certain lick in a certain spot that fit really well or, you know, you played an idea really, um, really soulfully or something. And so how they did things on this album is something to really be impressed by. Um, I would say overall, like I mentioned earlier, the overall rating is 7.5 out of 10.
0: Yeah, and I think so that um, very solid album. I think our our overall combined score is going to be a 7.8 out of 10. It definitely is one that I would recommend listening to. Um, it's got a bunch of elements that are really interesting and it's, it's a good listen and it's a good journey to, to go on. So I definitely recommend that people go and uh, go and check it out and do, you know, listen to it front to back. So cool. So that's, those are our two albums for this week. Um, we had soul station coming in at what did we say? A 9.3. And then we had in the spirit of them Two coming in at a 7.8 out of 10. And so our next episode, we're going to uh, preview our albums. Um, I picked out the classic album for our next episode, and I'm going with the great one of the masterpieces of jazz. We have to do it. It had to come up on the show. We might as well do it now. We're going to do Go by Dexter Gordon. You're not going to want to miss that. It is just, oh, man, we've got. there's going to be a lot to talk about. So, yeah, our classic album is Go by Dexter Gordon. And Max, what uh, what were we getting into for our, our modern side of things?
1: Well, I had the distinct pleasure of picking the modern album, <laughs> <laughs> which um, was a little bit of a challenge for me. there. And I picked, there is a, a very, very recent album, I think it's a live album, of T.S. Monk called Two Continents, One Groove. And so I believe T.S. Monk is... Um, Related to Thelonious Monk, I think he's he's a son, um, but if not, he's in some way related. So that'll be the modern album um, they're doing, and I'm looking forward to go over uh, go with you because Dexter, you know, he's one of the cat one of the cats. He's one of my guys, and that is a tremendous album.
0: He is the son of Thelonious Monk. He's a drummer, but the son of Thelonious. Just had to look it up, but yeah. I feel like I kind of spoiled yeah. you by picking go. Cause you probably would. I was going to pick like Jimmy Smith or something, but I kind of spoiled you by picking go, but I enjoy that album just as much as anyone else. So I'm super excited to, to really dive into it. I've, I've listened to it a million times, but I've never done it in the way we're going to do it. So, and yeah, TS monk, I don't think I've any, I've listened to anything by him. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to check that out as well. So yeah, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. If you're still with us, um, yeah, I had a f- really fun time listening to these two albums. Hopefully, this can give you um, some perspective on different albums and a deep dive into some jazz, which is, you know, kind of lacking at times. So I, I'm super excited to keep this series going. I want to thank Max for joining me, um, and I'm yeah, I'm super excited to to keep reviewing albums and listening to new stuff. And hopefully, you guys can go through this journey with us.
1: Yeah, this is only the beginning. Um- is there an email or something people can send questions, suggestions, or ideas to?
0: Yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's a great um, question. So you can email us at just at at gmail.com. Any questions, any suggestions, um, please like us on Spotify, um, rate, review us and email us. If you have any questions, we might set up a, an Instagram channel for the podcast. We'll talk about that, but yeah, definitely. If you have any questions, uh, just jazz pod at gmail.com. It'd be a great, Great way to get in touch with us. And yeah, we'd love recommendations. If you have a new album or a classic album that you that you want us to talk about, please, please email that in and we'll we'll definitely consider checking it out. Cool. Well, yeah. for Max, I'm Dwayne. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been just Jazz, and we'll catch you next time.